Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And today, Tyler, it is our end of year awards ceremony episode. We are putting a bookend on the 2020 college football season in our own special way, Tyler. Yes, sir. In our own special way. We got plenty of awards, um, more than 10, less than 20. That's kind of, I'm not going to count them right now, but we got a bunch of awards. It's our own podcast. You can't make us do anything. We're choosing to do this. Like, Tyler, did you know that we make the rules? I was aware, actually. You know, good, strangely good, enough. I was as well, so I'm very glad we're on the same page there where we both make the rules. Um, we're going to get to those awards in a second, but first we're going to start with quick hits, and there is news out of Knoxville, Tennessee, Mr. Tyler, yep. where a certain Josh Heupel, former head football coach at UCF, is now the head football coach for the Tennessee Volunteers, and he rejoins... Danny White, who was hired as the athletic depart uh, the athletic director for Tennessee after serving as athletic director at you guessed it UCF. Uh, Danny White, uh, very famous to Gator fans for his um, two for one negotiation tactics, uh, is what he's known for in Gainesville. Tyler on the football. He's field. also Mike White's brother, by the way. He's also Mike. Okay, he's Mike White's brother. Their dad is the athletic director at um, Duke. Duke and their other brother, I think, is the he's either the AD or the assistant AD um, at FAU. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's there's a connection there for that family. The whites are so, everywhere. The whites um, are everywhere. You can take take that as you will. <laughs> Tyler, okay. what do you think about Josh Heupel being hired at Tennessee? Uh, you know, let me, my, my Homer Florida fan is just gonna come out for a little bit and go, <laughs> I told you. Um, and oh, okay, back in. All right. I think that, uh, I didn't, I've never loved the Josh Heupel hire at UCF. I thought it was good for what they were in the sense right. of like Josh Heupel runs a high flying offense and he will keep you afloat, but it's not, it is not going to be an upgrade over South Frost. He will keep that train going for a little bit and eventually i mean and he got worse every single year and i do think all of his losses are in close games what we would mm-hmm. statistically call close games that's gonna swing 50 50 one way or the other so that, that's good but you're also you've got a lot higher talent at ucf than the rest of the teams that you generally play mm-hmm. and i feel and i feel like when i watch them sometimes in in the past in the first two years when they lose it because they were just straight up outscored which right. happens when you have not a good defense and your offense is not catered to help your defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but this last year, it was a lot more of like, sometimes the offense just kind of sputtered mm-hmm. in like the really important moments late in the game. Yeah. Um, and then there were also just, you know, like the, the field goal miss at Memphis. Like that's, <laughs> that happens. Great game. Uh, but Fantastic game. So here's my thoughts. I can think two things. I can think that one, Josh Heupel is not the guy. He's not going to get you where you need to go. When he was the offensive coordinator at Missouri, running this type of Art Riles-ish, uh, quick, 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 hyper, I call it hyper spread offense, going as fast as physically possible. I see what you did there. It worked against teams with lesser talent or teams that were just, you know, had thrown in the towel from the season because you have to be, like, you have to be athletic, you have to be disciplined, you have to hustle to beat this offense because they're just going to throw everything at you every single play. Mm-hmm. Um, it also helps that he had Drew Locke and absolutely cannon armed quarterback in this right. system that is designed all about throwing deep um, and just running vertical routes cra- like crazy. 
But when he played teams that had equal or greater talent, his offense was not good. It, it, it was not, and it sputtered, and it sputtered, and then you looked at the clock, and only 14 seconds of game time have gone off the clock. So that's going to be a problem, and I don't know if he has the weapons currently at Tennessee, and either the quarterback or the receivers, the running backs, to run this type of offense that is all predicated about just, just outscore him, and we'll just hope the defense gives us hope. You don't really have – I just don't think it's going to work out, especially because Florida and Georgia are in a much better place. Right. And it's an offensive style shift. Now, that being said, I know I've talked a lot, and I'll let you go in just a second. But, like, that being said, while I don't think this was the right hire, I don't think Danny White thinks this is the right hire, I will say that this is a hire in the right direction. Okay. Because I think that you need to go offense. Mm-hmm. You've, got to, you've got to be able to score. And I say that defensive coaches can work. They often do. Like, and we, we will have – there's a larger discussion here that we'll have at some time that we've been – kind of having in texas versus defensive coaching mindset and offensive coach mindset in regards Mm -hmm. to being a head coach but finding a defensive coach to be head coach that will let their offense go wild while that that those are typically the best coaches ones that can have a good defense but let their offenses go crazy those are harder to find you're better Mm -hmm. off at least putting your program in a trajectory to be offensive heavy because you gotta score points in today's college football. You gotta score points in the SEC now. You ain't beating Bama twenty to thirteen. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that anymore. You gotta be right. able to outscore them. Yeah. And I think I don't think Josh Heupel's the guy, but I do think that this hire will probably put them in the right direction. Yeah, for the and next that was guy. That was my thinking as well. Uh, listen, it's no secret I have an emotional attachment to someone who has an emotional attachment to UCF. Um, and when I did ask Alexa what she thought. She was more worried about losing Danny White than she was about Josh Heupel. And I was like, so number one, I was like, I don't think I've ever found you more attractive than in this moment. Number two, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't actually say that. But what I what I did say was, yeah, that makes perfect sense because he's such a good AD. And she, what she was saying was Heupel was, like you were saying, stuttering a little bit. I also spent some time with my friend Matt, who was also a UCF alum, and I saw him this past weekend in Boston, and first thing he said to me was, "Who do you think we're gonna get? What do you think?" Every time he always asked me about UCF, like, we, we have we all we have long UCF talks when I'm with him, and I told him, "Look, dude, I gave him a few of my suggestions or this and that. UCF whatever is an it is, job right now." I told him, "Whatever it is, you are the best job on the market. You you can have your pick. It's a this- matter of you picking who you want your coach to be at this point, because the majority of people that you call." to say, do you want the job, will say yes before you finish the sentence. Yeah, There's exceptions, of course, but this yeah. is hands down the best non-Power 5 job on the market, and it's probably better than a lot of Power 5 jobs as well in terms of success at the school, being able what to you get can your do, name. What it can do for your career. Like. Correct, correct, exactly. And that's because of location, right? So UCF has proven that they can win by getting the talent in Florida. So for the UCF side of the equation, who whoever you, you want. When talking about Josh Heupel in Tennessee, yeah, there's a reason that Alexa and my friend Matt were a little okay with letting him go to Tennessee. And that's because, as you said, the offense did, did kind of stutter. And I don't think it helped that the defense visibly took a step backwards. That is, that's the problem. It would have worked if, if the defense ever got better and it never did. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't right. like terrible always, but it's just like, the defense was never great. Mm-hmm. 
and then every year it just wasn't as good as the year pre- previous. Right, like, and and I don't think that's as much on the offense, but the thing is that you need a defense that's capable enough to see you through those moments when the offense does mm-hmm. kind of stutter against equal or better comp- uh, yeah. talent competition. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm with you in that sense where I think it's in the right direction because they need to go offense, and I think, like I said to you, uh, I texted you, I said, I don't think this was Danny White. It's like, I want this higher. You know? Oh, no. I think I think the Tennessee brass was like we need a coach in now they were impatient and rather than waiting out a year with an interim to which kind i think of, would have been smarter i also agree which would have been the idea to kind of start it off fresh you know they wanted one now and danny white looked at his options uh i believe that he made a call to james franklin i believe that he made calls to other high name coaches but the guy that he could realistically get was the guy that he yeah. got in orlando so yeah. i think that's a situation that they're in i want to ask you who do you see um, – who would you see taking the UCF job? That's tough because it is a matter of – most coaches that are in the position to get that job are going to want it. Right. The only thing is that, like, most people's coaching eyes – UCF is in an, an interesting – okay, UCF is in an interesting place in the hierarchy where it's like they are so clearly the best job available at their level, but we're so often looking at group of five head coaches as like, okay, that coach is good at that program. Where are they going to make the jump to the Power Five level, to the big leagues, like I, to the sense of like, to the to a higher level program, mm-hmm. and like UCF is that for the group of five. So it's a lot right. of like probably offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, and coaches on the lower level programs. Um, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I could can, see... can I give you a few names? Yeah, give me a can few names. Because um, Boise's also hiring, so Boise's also hiring. Uh, I could see Willie Fritz. Ooh. I could see Jamie Chadwell. It, the offensive fit would be a little interesting yeah. because of the way he runs and versus all of those speed and skill guys that are out on that are in Orlando right now. I get but it that. Is, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But, but it is a sense of he he's making like four hundred and ninety thousand dollars a year. UCF can come in and say, Hey, here's two million dollars. And if I'm Jamie Chadwell and that's on the table and I get to live in Florida where there's no state income tax. Yeah. Sign me up, my guy. I think, yeah, (laughs) it's just a match like that's, and that's also, you have to gauge the team because the other Mm -hmm. thing with Jamie Chadwell is the fact that it's just like, you could do that. Or if you think your team's going to be really good at coastal Carolina next year, right. You just, you ride with them and then you get a higher job even from that. And he's also in an interesting, he's in an interesting position because their spring practice started this week. Yeah. So they're already in pads and stuff. I'm fascinated to see what happens, and there's probably a bunch of Power Five assistants that would. Can I and can I give you my yes. like? Who, if I was the UCF AD, who I would hire? Mm-hmm. I am unloading the Brinks truck for Alex Grinch. Ooh, Bring I love me, that. And here's I my thinking. Love that. Here's my thinking. The defense has not been good. Fix it with the with the talent that UCF has on the offensive side of the ball, with the ability to recruit. The UCF has on the offensive side of the ball. Dylan Gabriel still you, got another year or two there. Dylan, exactly. If you bring him, him in, who has a clear track record of he fixed the unfixable defense in college football at Oklahoma in a span of three years, they were from close to dead last to now in the top twenty defensively, and that is huge, especially at the level of Oklahoma. We talk about it all the time. If the Baker teams, if the Kyler teams were able to have decent defenses, they would have won national championships, and we know mm-hmm. this. That's a fact. If you bring him in, give him the ability to fix a defensive side of the ball. And Tyler, do you know how many 
offensive masterminds, quote unquote, there are in the game right now. Give me any of them to just run this high tempo speed offense, yeah. use the speed, use Dylan Gabriel, has, and let him cook. Alex Grinch has been a successful defensive coordinator in two places, where his head coaches were Mike Leach and Lincoln Riley. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be running a three a three yards in a cloud of dust offense. Exactly. Like, so um, that that's who that, I would. Hire. I love that hire. Yeah. So now, selfishly, narratively wise, mm-hmm. I kind of hope. It, uh, that Alex Grinch stays where he is for just one more year because I think this Oklahoma team could be special. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Agreed. But Agreed. if you're UCF and if you're a UCF fan and you're listening to this podcast, one, I apologize for all the mean things that I said about you. Uh, <laughs> hey, two, listen, they have an ally in me. So, yeah, well, you guys let me down in the whole game, but it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I think that you want this hire. Yeah. Listen, I, mean, I, I hope to one day be, be able to have the financial whereabouts to be a booster at both Florida and UCF because of the person that I have an emotional attachment who has an emotional attachment to UCF. And if I was to be able to have a hand in it right now, I would be knocking on the door and saying, whoever you hire as AD, I need to have a conversation with them about Alex Grinch. And here's why. And have them listen to my TED Talk. <laughs> I'm yeah. so sold. I'm so in. And also, another thing is you gotta you gotta understand, and this is mo- most places have to understand this. Freaking Florida fans are having to go through this right now. Like, mm-hmm. whoever you hire, UCF, they will not be there forever. No. Every every hire that you have, like they did this with Scott Frost. It's like, well, he wouldn't want to leave. Like he loves it here, and I'm like, I'm sure that's true. But at a certain point, the allure yeah. of coaching it with high, better athletes at a higher level, with more to win, with more dinero, like the that money. is going to draw them away. And if they're good, that's fine. You you are in the best position out of any group of five program to continue rolling. Just yeah. make good hires. I mean, Florida's dealing with this right now. Dan Mullen is probably going to go to the NFL soon if he continues right. to be good. Yeah, and again, and that's, that's okay. The, that's okay. You got to remember, it's so, only certain programs are places where if the coach is good, they'll stay forever. And even then, the NFL is always there. Exactly. And they will always look to take him from you. Exactly. So, the best the best thing that could have happened to Alabama was Nick Saban leaving LSU to go to the Dolphins and then crashing and burning, and which wasn't really his fault, but that's for another I podcast. I mean, yeah, he, well, uh, yeah. But, yeah. All right, well, let's move on from Josh Heupel and Tennessee and UCF. Uh, Brian Johnson – Offensive coordinator for the Gators, no more. Would have been a good UCF head coaching hire. Would but. have been a good UCF coaching hire. Um, he is now the quarterbacks coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, did you know that he has known Jalen Hurts since he was like a kid? That makes sense, actually. That tracks. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they've known each other a long time, and uh, I guess he's going to be there to f- either fix Carson Wentz or make okay. Jalen Hurts if they want to win games they should try to fix Carson Wentz what they probably will do is try to fix Jalen Hurts because of all the Carson Wentz drama yeah um what they should do is draft a quarterback but that's none of my business but yeah. like what they should do is trade up to three with the Dolphins but that's none of my business so yeah ha 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 uh what do you think what do you think uh both for him with the Eagles and both for how Bowen's gonna replace him um Absolutely thrilled for Brian Johnson. He deserves this. Um, he deserves to go out and it, it's a, it's smart, I think, for him if he was going to leave the college ranks to take a quarterback's coaching job, not like an offensive coordinator role. Because like while he has play calling at Florida is a collaborative process. It's Mullen as the primary, but like he's mentioned multiple times where other coordinators have or other coaches have called specific plays and games and he's okayed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Michigan game a couple years ago, one of the big plays was Tadarius Tony Jet Sweep. Brian Johnson mm-hmm. called that play on a fourth and one yeah. and 
Mullen made sure to give him credit. So, like, I think Brian Thompson probably will be a great um, offensive coordinator one day. He's done it a little bit before at other stops. But I think quarterback's coach is the way to go because I think that'll be really great. The reality is is that at a certain point, Brian Johnson, he's got to escape. Escape's a tough word here. But, you know, he's got to, if he wants to make a name for himself, he has to get out from under Mullen's tree. He has to remove Mullen's himself shadow. right from Mullen's Mullen shadow. is one of the few, well, actually not few. He's one of the um, high-profile coaches that is also their own play caller. Like mm-hmm. in Riley and Ryan Day are under the same situation and it will always whenever you're an offensive coordinator at a school where that head coach calls plays your ability is going to become is going to come into question that's the same thing happens with every Saban defensive coordinator yep it's the same thing that happens with every Mullen assistant coach every Riley assistant coach heck in the NFL um the Jets are hiring because Robert Taylor's going to the Jets he's taking Mm -hmm. uh Mike LaFleur uh, the 49ers passing game coordinator with him. And you're like, great. But like, how good is he? Because Kyle Shanahan still calls the plays in, in right. San Francisco. So, yeah. and it's a collaborative effort. And I think that Brian Johnson would be good. But I think that at a certain point, if he wants to step out and he wants to, because Florida fans love him and Florida fans would let him do whatever he wants in the future. Yeah. Like Brian Johnson, come back, please. But like, I would love him. I, I think he's not only a fantastic recruiter. I think he's not only a really good play caller, but he's a great person. And he's shown that he really enjoys and embrace being a part of the Gainesville and the Alachua County community. Yeah. So, but it, it, to the greater football world, I think he does have to step out of Mullen's shadow. Yeah. yeah. And this I is, applaud him. I hope yeah. the best for him. He's going to a place where he can prove um, that he can fix or develop quarterbacks. And mm-hmm. he was hired by a guy who used to be a quarterback coach, which means that right. that guy clearly values like his, his mm-hmm. opinion. Right. He sees what he sees. They, they, mm-hmm. they are on the same page there. So. Flipping over, Florida is 100% not better for Brian Johnson leaving to take a job in the NFL. Florida is mm-hmm. not a better team now because that coaching staff has been – Brian Johnson's left that coaching staff. However, if there is one position on a Dan Mullen coach team that can withstand their great position coach leaving, it's the quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> there is one thing I will never question Dan Mullen on. It's his quarterbacks. <laughs> like he just has a stellar track record developing yeah. quarterbacks, and yeah. even, even he's done he's it without wrong, Brian Johnson. Like even when he's wrong, he's right. Yeah, with quarterbacks. So, I think it's interesting. They replaced him. They promoted a guy that was in house uh, to the new role, which seems people said lazy hire. I get it. You're so far into the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. But again, this is it's the one position that I feel the most confident and will be fine. Yeah. So I also I, think I, yeah. there's a spot to fill on the coaching staff and promoting within was probably the right decision because as we said, the offense effectively runs through Mullen. Um, but this is a good way to be able to either get another recruiter or defensive mind or all that kind of stuff. You know, that's a another spot for us to be able to go ahead and try to improve the defense, which was such a glaring weakness last season so good there um yeah. on the other side of the ball tyler the gators be cruton gators be yeah, cruton. so so always be cruton dan mullen has been working the transfer portal while <laughs> like, his time at florida to like an unsustainable amount there's like, no this is he's this, unsustainably listen, good at it like, can i I'll, I'll say it right now dan mullen is the nick saban of the transfer portal he I is. don't no, I don't think that's hyperbole. Now no. that state like being the Nick Saban of the transfer portal, 
doesn't mean as much as being the Nick Saban of recruiting. Like, because generally, when you're recruiting, you're getting guys who are supposed to be four-year projects. So you're Correct. building better depth, better, better things. Mm-hmm. However, it's worth it's interesting to see that when all these a lot of five-star players, most of Mullen's transfer recruits have been five stars. Mm-hmm. Five-star players, they get through the process, they're into the college football world, they see how it is, then they decide to come to Florida. And that's interesting to me because it's like I don't think that Florida when they recruit is as good, especially at least under Dan Mullen at selling the glitz and the glamor that other higher profile schools will sell. Mm-hmm. The like, of course we love you. The absolute, and even the lies necessarily, they all, all, all these programs lie about stuff all the time. Yeah. So I'm not absolving Florida, but like, they're not as, they kind of, I think generally don't like sell what their program will be like, okay, it's going to be tough. Like you're going to, this is what we're going to teach you. Like, and if you're up for it, you're up for it. And when you're, you know, the best thing ever at your high school, and you got all these programs coming after you. Maybe that's not what you want to hear. But once you're in college football, you see how it works. Mm-hmm. You see the system. And you see that it maybe was exactly the way that Dan Mullen's staff told you. Yeah. Maybe that makes you want to go there more. Additionally, probably the bigger part of that is that Dan Mullen's assistant coaches aren't the best recruiters in the world. But that's neither here nor there. But additionally, mm-hmm. is that especially offensive recruits. Offensive recruits know that they're going to get developed in at Florida. Yeah. For sure. Reed Gilbert knows he's, I mean, Kyle Pitts just happened. Right. Like, Kyle Pitts was a Belitnikoff finalist as a tight end. He was a top 10 <laughs> finalist in the Heisman as a tight end, which has, like, never happened before. Yeah. Um, And Eric Gilbert's like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. And the man was, the man was at LSU. The man was having a, a pretty good season at LSU and then decided to transfer closer to home. He's a Georgia native. Yeah. A lot of people thought Georgia was, would be the school to land him, but... I think uh, watching Kyle Pitts have the season that he had, he said, wow, okay, I can do that. I can become that. And I cannot wait for him to be that (laughs) because this is a former five-star. He was the number one player at his position. He was a top 10 player in the country coming out of high school, not uh, in 2019. I'm sorry, in 2020 class. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped for this. Uh, Very glad. Listen, this is just part of the uh, National Signing Day stuff that we will talk about um, on our next episode. National Signing Day is Wednesday. Uh, We will be recording after that, and we will be uploading an episode later on in the week all about National Signing Day, um, especially talking about the Gator class and where everything kind of lands. So hopefully we get another one before the end. And until then, then, Tyler, I think it's time to move on to our 2020 season awards um i'm going to list off the award and then tyler i would like for you to give us the winner of that award and then we'll have we'll have we'll we'll have some conversations about these award winners in a bit so to start us off we have the bring me my money award which is all about which player made himself some money in the NFL mm-hmm. by playing this year. And Tyler, the 2020 Bring Me My Money Award winner is Devontae Smith, Devontae wide receiver, Smith. Alabama, and Heisman winner. I would I think this is more important than the Heisman, but you know, to, I, each, I agree. to each his own. Well, it's important to note when I say Heisman, like it's an interesting thing. For a long period, <laughs> for a long period of time, uh-huh. The Heisman and people get mad when i say this the heisman trophy is a curse for a long period of time as in relation mm. to nfl success yes like, yes it still is. is but lately um as the college offenses are beginning to bleed more and more and more into the nfl the heisman trophy 
It's just a, oh, he's probably going to be good in the NFL. <laughs> and Devontae Smith, he could have gone out last year. He probably would have been a mid-round pick. Mm-hmm. He'd probably be making making plays right now. But right. Devontae Smith decided to come back for a senior season. And I'm not saying that Alabama wouldn't have won a national title if he didn't come back. But he, in my opinion, was the well, probably the or one of the biggest parts of Alabama's entire team this year. Yeah. They have good well, weapons. They had a good running game. They had a good – they had Najee Harris. Mac Jones played great. But – Well, we talked about how – Devontae Smith was the identity of that team in my Yeah, opinion. we talked about how Kyle Pitts was unguardable. I mean, that was Devontae Smith for Alabama. Yeah. You just – you couldn't put man – you couldn't play man. If you played zone, he'd break the zone. Like, he was unguardable. And he was yeah. fast, and hands are like glue, and it is what it he is. He's the so. definition of, of smooth when you watch he him is. in college like he really is he really is you're sitting there and you're like why is can no one tackle this man because it's not like he's like Kadarius tony juking or you know just jalen waddle sprinting away from people he's just runs by people yeah he doesn't look sure. like he's going that fast he's just hard to tackle he's very good he's a great route runner he's got great hands and he he is going to be a first round pick mm-hmm. and For he sure. wouldn't have been a first round pick last year but he's a yeah. definite first round pick this year yeah so good for him congratulations Devonte smith yeah. Next up, we have the "You Gotta Be Quicker Than That" award. Uh, Tyler, would you like to explain this award before we name the winner? This is basically based off that that one commercial with uh, the State Farm commercial, where the guy who appears in the in the store with mm-hmm. the with the fishing thing with the money, it's just like, "Ooh, you gotta, yeah. Ooh, you gotta be quicker than that." <laughs> um, uh, basically, for oh, you almost had it. You almost had it. Um. The winner of the You Gotta Be Quicker Than That award is Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt. Ex-head football coach for the Tennessee Volunteers. Why because did he win this award, Tyler? He got an extension in the offseason and then immediately got fired with cause. <laughs> with so cause, which means He's not no going to get out. any of that money. <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt, you got to be quicker than that. <laughs> you got to be quicker than that, Jeremy Pruitt. Um, the firing was... The, okay, so... Not unjustified. Not unjustified. A little sketchy on Tennessee's part. Super sketchy. <laughs> but at the same time, I think Tennessee is going to bite the bullet in terms of sketchiness with we got rid of Jeremy Pruitt. Like they'll be, they're okay with being labeled as a little sketchy and maybe inviting some NCAA violation stuff to come in. Because, hey, we got off of Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, to be, yeah, the, the big thing with Tennessee in the future will be like, and we didn't discuss this with Josh Heifel, mm-hmm. we should have, is just like, is the NCAA going to come down hard on Tennessee? Because that's what's right. really going to make the job attractive. Yeah. What Josh, what Jeremy Pruitt did, they're basically just like, oh, he got caught. <laughs> um, okay, but he got caught. T- Tennessee, because... Tennessee snitched on themselves just to yeah. get out of a coaching thing. This is like, this is like when you, you, you're having a party and you want everyone to go home, so you call the cops on yourself. <laughs> like, this is, yeah, yeah, what yeah that's the extremity of this. It's, Instead of just, you know, going through the work and getting everybody to leave normally. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's it's um it's interesting. That and that's 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 an interesting thing that may make Tennessee an unattractive job in the future is the fact that like, yeah, last time I didn't do a good job, you got rid of all my money. <laughs> so I don't know. I but Jerry Pruitt, no you gotta be quicker than that, man. You gotta, you gotta be quicker, be than, quicker that. than that. Uh moving on. We have the dumbest narrative award. Tyler, it's self-explanatory. It's the dumbest narrative of the year. And the winner of that award for this year is... Justin Fields is bad. The narrative that Justin Fields is bad. So dumb. So uninformed. 
And I specifically had to deal with this a lot more than than most other probably college football people because, one, because we have a college football podcast and I didn't think that he was bad. But two, for a long period of time as a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, it appeared that the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to get the second best quarterback in the draft, who Mm -hmm. I thought was Justin Fields. Right. And I still think it's Justin Fields. And I thought this whole time is Justin Fields. Right. And everybody seemed to think I was crazy. And they're like, oh, he's bad. Or, oh, he just plays in the Ohio State system, which is like, okay, Trevor Lawrence is playing in a one read Clemson offense, mm-hmm. too. Like, I mean, it's we're you're scouting traits. Like, um, yeah. and, and then, so, because for most of the season, Jacksonville didn't have the number one pick and that we got it right at the end. Which again, Jets, you got to be quicker than that. Um, but <laughs> honorary, honorary mention. <laughs> honorary mention. But it was just uninformed, and additionally, it kind of lacks context when you look at the fact that the Big Ten starts late, right? Playing less games, uh, practices less. Additionally, uh, Ohio State was losing a lot in their receiving core, uh-huh. and you know you can get really, really get into a rhythm. Um, there were some good games. Justin Fields had some. He had some multi-interception games. But you look at some of those interceptions. They're not all his fault. Like mm-hmm. there's one where he bounces into, he throws it to a receiver and the receiver bobbles it into the air and Indiana picked it off. What is Justin Fields supposed to do about that? <laughs> um, he tackled the guy later, but yeah. that's about all you can do. And then you watch the tape. Yes. Zach Wilson had a better year than Justin Fields. I will not take that away, but the right. player that was there in 2019 did not go away. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what happened. And like, Another thing that I that I is brought up, 2019 was Justin Fields' first year starting. Right. Uh, 2018 was Trevor Lawrence's first year starting. In mm-hmm. that way, they were very comparable. Trevor Lawrence's second year starting, there were people asking, like, is he even that good? Because he was throwing so many interceptions, and they weren't us. That was dumbest narrative last year. Um, I was going to say, that's that, – that's- the uninformed. It, the uninformed, and it's also, I think, the idea of a – it's a second-year dip, right? Where. Yeah. The player in their second year, both in the NFL and in the in college, typically has a slight dip because it, you know the people have film on them, this and that, whatever. But blah, blah, that happened with Trevor Lawrence. It doesn't mean he was a worse prospect. Yeah, and I think at times it happened with Justin Fields this year, but that doesn't mean yeah. that he's a bad football player all of a sudden. Yeah, and you know he showed in the playoff game, which was the best game he's ever played. Which mm-hmm. you know, and then now he's gonna he entertain all these. If he had beaten Alabama, we probably would be entertaining a Justin Fields or Trevor at one conversation. I wouldn't be, but people would be entertaining it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just goes to show that this narrative was dumb. And right. additionally, another thing to bring up is that like I think a large part of it, and this goes in the NFL too, is the reason people have the sophomore slump, the second year dip um, in their second year starting, is that like, okay, you had a good first year. Let's try to do a little bit more your second year. Mm-hmm. But then again, you're trying to do more. And you're probably failing at that. Yeah. You haven't learned, you know? And these we, we talked about it last week. Progress is not linear. Mm-hmm. Um, D- Justin Fields being bad is stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Listen, so. I, I don't have anything to say because you hit the nail on the head. Um, I just feel bad for you uh, who had you as, you know, a Jags fan who had to suffer. No, nah, I'm good now, baby. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I went through the conversations with people that were just a little. That's why Advil exists, baby. The headaches are gone. <laughs> um, okay, well, I guess we'll move on from that one then. Uh, the next award is the "Where Were You" moment of the year, where 
it's a moment this season that you're going to be able to tell your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids where you were. You have to tell them where you were when this happened. They'll ask you and all this stuff. And the winner of the Where Were You When This Happened award of this year is... Notre Dame versus Clemson Part 1. Yes. Arguably the game of the year. I would agree. Again, because of all the context going into it. Um, right. Trevor Lawrence missed this game because of COVID. He was on the sideline, but he missed it. DJ Yoyangale's second start. Um, Notre Dame at home. They pulled the upset over... It, it was a top five matchup. They pulled the upset. Additionally, in real life, we had a presidential election that was decided that day. <laughs> and then Five the, days uh, after the actual election. <laughs> let's not get into that. But... Um, and then the president-elect gave his speech that night on mm-hmm. uh, as the game was going on. So, and it's because it was a Notre Dame home game, so it was on NBC, NBC. which means that NBC, during the president-elect at the time speech, went from NBC to USA. And so, personally, I was here in my apartment in Connecticut where I am back again for the next semester. I am bundled in because there is a foot of snow outside um must suck (laughs) so um i remember sitting here and alexa my girlfriend said i want to watch the speech i said perfect because it was on nbc so i was watching the game and then they cut in and i opened my laptop and i was like beautiful let me go ahead and watch on usa here so i got nbc on the tv i got usa on my laptop and then it changes so it flips so i close it down but then s the game went into overtime so it ran over with snl and dave and Chappelle it, was hosting and dave Chappelle was like i'm gonna start this mother effer and and uh um what's lord his name? michaels lord like, michaels no. was like no you're not and everyone on twitter's like what is this college football nonsense on we were all like welcome and then it, unfortunately <laughs> it means that everyone now thought that notre dame was good I know. Jeez, the narratives. All that to say, then the newscast, the local newscast, took 30 seconds before SNL. It was just... A lot was was happening. A A lot lot was happening. It was a moment in history. You had to be there, and I can't wait to tell that story to my kids. So that was the where were you moment of the year. Tyler, we moved on to the Homer Simpson Award, and it is the dumbest decision from a Homer's perspective. So this... For yep. us, will be a Gators award because that is the team that we are Our homers a for. fan of. We are homers. Um, and again, it's the dumbest decision. So, Tyler, without further ado, who is the lovely recipient of the Homer Simpson Award this year? Do I even have to say it? Um, you do, Tyler. You it's, do. It's Marco Wilson. It's Marco the Wilson. Shoe, the shoe is For throwing the, the a shoe. For the cleat yeet. Shoe gate. The cleat shoe gate. Yeet. The cleat yeet. Oh, what gosh. are the other names? I don't even want to go into it. I don't know. I don't care. Oh, my gosh. You all know what we happened. We have talked about this at length. At so. length. We're going to move on. We just had to acknowledge it. End just of know, the year we are, we are We are in pain as we say this. We are in pain. Yes. Let's move on and laugh at other people's pain. It's the worst <laughs> flag award. It is given to the most bonehead call. Egregious. Like, egregiously bad. We always talk about how. It takes the a lot officials, for us to say this. Like, yes, <laughs> the officials do not decide game. Like, okay, yeah, they do because they call the game. Yeah, they do. But like, you cannot blame a loss on an official because, regardless of the missed call, whether it was wrong or not, you should not put yourself in a position for the referees to decide the outcome of the game. You have fifty-nine minutes of football to make the last minute not matter. Correct. Correct. Who cares if Ohio, if 
Alabama commits pass interference against Ohio State in the last minute of that national championship because Alabama's up 24 points. Right. Because they used the 59 minutes before that to get into that position. Exactly. So it's That's kind of a blanket statement we use. That being said. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now that we preface this with our philosophy, this award goes to the most egregious call of the season. Which, which this year, Tyler, was... The Purdue versus Minnesota touchdown that was called back for offensive pass interference, despite the fact that the Minnesota defender didn't touch the Purdue player. Like, this was... At all! He just ran the route. Purdue got... Okay, Purdue, I said this when it happened. Purdue was penalized because the ref saw a white Purdue receiver make a game-winning <laughs> touchdown catch and be wide open when he did it and said, nah, that ain't right. Nah, 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 that's something sus. We got something sus. You guys ever played Among Us? This is when you eject a guy who's not actually an imposter. The man got man committed, o- man committed offensive pass interference by getting open. And I am of I'm of the opinion of always commit offensive pass interference if you're a receiver because uh-huh. they will never call it. But he actually didn't this time, and they did call it. Oh, and this was this was in the fourth quarter. Listeners, less I, than a minute left. I urge you to YouTube it. It was Purdue, Minnesota, and there were like 30 seconds left in the game, and Purdue ended up losing the football game when they should have won the game. It was it was rough. Oh God, what a horrible call! What a yeah. horrible call! Oh, all right, we're moving on. <laughs> Did you have something else? <laughs> no, I'm just laughing about it again. <laughs> like, the. Geez. The He's Still There Award of the Year, which is given to a player or coach who you just... You watch a broadcast and you're like, huh, he's still there? Yeah, you had no idea. You had no idea. Um, That award this year goes to who, Tyler? Uh, Dr. Brady White. Dr. The the medical... Memphis Tigers. The The medical practice of Brady White quarterback for the memphis tigers who i think this was like his like sixth Sixth year of eligibility and if he had elected to he could have come back again next year for a lucky number seven year of eligibility luckily he decided against that if if brady white was to have a kid his freshman year that kid would now be in the second grade (laughs) (laughs) i'm not kidding dude that's literally what the yeah first or second grade well because this was the sixth year he's in elementary school yeah (laughs) he's in elementary school yeah like like toddler like a baby he's saying sentences now preschooler he's learning how to write he's coming home learn how to break down defense he's coming home with sand in his socks from the playpen and mom is getting mad because when she does the laundry just random sand comes out like that's how old that this kid would be if he had a kid when he started his college career. Insane. This kid doesn't exist for the record. Just oh, no, he re- does Just to reiterate. Yes, he does not. I just um, want to, just to give you a visual, you know? Oh, boy. wow. All right. The next award. It's the We Told You So Award of the Year. This is where we stand up on our pedestal and we say, we told you so. There are a lot of options for this game, for this, um, yeah, this award. award. But this award, Tyler, goes to what? It goes to Mormons versus Mullets. And why does it go to them, Tyler? Because they scheduled the game with like about four days left. And, and we all told you you didn't need 
five years to schedule a college football game. I don't need and to And it was know. one of the best games of the season, too. Yes. Like, listen, in 2030, in nine years, we will go to Austin to play Texas. And I say this because we're going to the game time. Yeah, we're, go- we're going. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But we shouldn't have to plan this nine years ahead of time. We can plan it this this same season. The season before. I, I think the season before. I even think that what we should do is we should be able to leave a little bye week in our schedules and make it kind of like a flex, right? Where nationally, everyone has a bye week and you everyone know. Everyone has an open date. Everyone has an open date. And, and it kind of like how the how CBS gets the rights to flex and probably like 10 days ahead of time. We can make those matchups. We can yep. get. We can go. Hey, look! Would you look at that? Oregon is having one incredible season, and would you look at that? Florida also having a great season. Let's go ahead and pair these two up in two weeks. Yeah. We'll play the game in Texas. And if you we'll, got something to prove for as far as the playoffs concerned, you can put that in front of yourself. You're not a slave it's, to the schedule that you play. Like, it's a resume epiped. You can just inject it in you, and boom, your resume gets stronger. And I'm just glad that we all now have the argument that it's just like, oh, look at this game that none of us are ever going to forget. Ever. With these two teams that were both 9-0 had something to prove. There were t-shirts and, made. We'll never and forget. And lived on opposite sides of the country. BYU um, loaded their trucks before the contract was officially signed. Because if not, they wouldn't have made it to Conway, South Carolina in time. Come on. You can do it. We told you so. It can be done. And it was a fantastic football game, might yep. I say. All right. Moving on. The ah, rivalry moment of the year. This is going to go to a rivalry game that was fantastic this season. That just lived up to all hypes. I'm thinking the poster child for this is the Egg Bowl. The old piss. The old piss, yeah. That is like the pinnacle of the rivalry moment of the year. Tyler, what was the rivalry moment of the year this year? It was this year's Red River going into quadruple overtime. Mm-hmm. As well as Spencer Rattler's picture wearing the trophy. Now, for those uninitiated, the trophy for the Red River showdown between Texas and Oklahoma is a golden sombrero. It's it's a golden Stetson. I don't want to say sombrero. It's, a, it's yeah, like a so, golden yeah. cowboy hat it's a Stetson, Stetson. Yeah. yeah. But, it's a Walker, Texas Stranger hat. Yeah, yeah. Spencer Rattler, there's a picture of him in the locker room after the game with it on. And Tyler, you may laugh, but we're going to look back and that right oh, there boy. is the moment. Spencer Rattler won the 2022 Heisman. That right there. <laughs> that's the moment he won the 2022 Heisman. Yeah. Uh, this game was fantastic. This this game was amazing. And this mm. is a game that Spencer Rattler got benched in at one point. He did. Um, And then came back in and won it. Yep. And then there and were back-to-back-to-back missed field goals in overtime. Yeah. And fantastic. once again, Sam Ellinger dragged this team as far as he could go. <laughs> um. Which I mean, it's it's only so far Sam Ellinger can take you, but like yeah. he tried every one thing you can give about Sam Ellinger's Red River career, yeah, is that he played a hell of a game in every single Red River oh, game that he played. Yes, like he, he was trying yes, he to beat did. Oklahoma. Honorable mention for all rivalry moment of the year. Yes, honorable mention. Just side. Texas is also on the short end of the stick in this one, but uh, when Iowa State beat Texas, yes. Um, and the Brock, it just for the locker room afterwards, <laughs> the Brock Purdy horns down picture in the locker room. The double horns put down. Put that in the College Football Hall of Fame. I'm going to go visit there soon. And if it's not there, we're burning it to the ground. They need to they need to hire us as consultants for the College Football Hall of Fame. We'll give yeah. them what they need. We'll give them what yeah. they need. That picture was, it was a double horns down. And Sam Ellinger. On top and, of the locker room. 
on top of the visitors locker room in Texas, which is notoriously small. And uh, Brock Purdy has his tongue out. <laughs> it's the best. It's fantastic. Yeah. Great honorable mention, Tyler. Um, can I get a boomer? You know what? Yeah, sure. So thank you very much. I'm asking. I'm gonna ask you for another one later on, but we'll get to that. Okay. All right. Uh, this is the Open Your Eyes NFL Award. This is gonna be given out to a player that we are pretty sure is gonna either make an impact on an NFL roster. It will be better than the quote unquote NFL people think. Um, it's it's a player that plays in college and they're like or in the NFL and they go oh my gosh who would have who could have seen this coming and Tyler and I will stand up from our little porches and go we did because we watch a lot of college football and we could have yeah. told you that that player was going to be good. This this is the Juju Smith Schuster Award where in yes. is is was like who is this kid where he come from like he was a five star All American wide receiver at USC <laughs> USC like. <laughs> not south carolina usc no southern california usc like he didn't he didn't play at utsa like <laughs> like this is not this is this is about as not under this is about on the radar as it gets like <laughs> like there is no under the radar this is above the radar like <laughs> like these these uh, are those players to us like, yes this is also the reason why tyler and i believe that every nfl team should hire us as consultants once during draft season and they can ask us, all right, you guys watched a lot of college football. Who do you like? And we can just be like, thank you. Apart from the obvious people that you've already seen, we like this player, this player, this player. So just saying that, you know, if you want to drop a bag NFL teams, we're more than more than welcome to be open for consulting fees. Tyler, we decided to put more than one player on this yeah, season's award. It's a general receiving core thing. It here. is. Because it's a pretty deep receiver class in terms of um collegiate production i should say so yeah tyler why don't you go ahead and name off the six players that we are deciding to highlight we've got rondale moore tylen wallace elijah moore anthony schwartz amari rogers and trevon grimes yes we do ladies and gentlemen let me let me name you some players that are listed above um most of these players uh daz newsom out of north carolina Really good player. Really enjoyed watching him play. Uh, Shai Smith out of South Carolina. Jalen Darden out of North Texas. Uh, Frank Darby out of Arizona State. Cade Johnson out of South Dakota State. You get where I'm going at it, Tyler. Yeah. You get where I'm going. Um, when Amari Rogers is in the Julian Edelman role for mm-hmm. like a quick passing team and just killing it, yeah, we'll be like, mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I think I think more than that. I like I put Rondell. I said Rondell Moore first, and I put him for you. Put him first on this list because he was like a stud his freshman he, and sophomore yeah, years. Yeah. Like we were, we those of us who play uh, college fantasy football, uh, we were desperate to get him on our teams. And I think it was it's high draft the, pick, man. I think it was friend of the pod. Um, what do we call him now? Uh, 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 upper. Because he's not a one percenter yet, but he made the Super Bowl, so yeah. Well, what do we call him? Uh, Let's call um, him fr- fr- friend of the pod, uh, upper level income Bucks fan. Upper level income Bucks fan. Upper okay. level, upper uh, level income Bucks fan. Uh, Tyler Renfro, I believe he had him on his fantasy team his f- yeah. freshman year, and we were like, so. we were like, how did we let Renfro get this guy? Yeah, <laughs> he so. was cooking us. 
he was cooking us. So Rondo Moore, short guy, could be a fantastic slot receiver in the NFL. Um, I'm not saying Tyreek Hill, but I am saying Tyreek Hill more. I'm saying Tyreek Hill. <laughs> oh, you okay? I'm <laughs> kidding. All right. <laughs> oh man, I do think. Meyer draft Rondell Moore. <laughs> you should. Uh, hoodies up, third eye activated. All right. I do. Th- I do think that Kadarius Tony benefited from Rondell Moore his injuries and sitting out the season. In oh terms yeah. Cause of they're, they're the similar mold, similar mold, very similar mold in terms of draft stock. I think Rondo Moore is the better player. Cause I think he's a better pure receiver than Kadarius yeah. Tony and Kadarius Tony has grown into that, but I believe Rondo Moore is just more. Well, Kadarius Tony is getting that, that late first round hype right now that yeah. I think would be going to Rondo Moore if he was less injured this year. Agreed. Agreed. And Kadarius Tony, I mean, they're all good. Mm-hmm. Is the point? Yeah, exactly. Um, Open your eyes, NFL. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. We have the "Don't Overthink It" award of the season. You know, sometimes coaches just do some stuff, Tyler, yeah. that they shouldn't. Just stop overthinking yeah. it. It's not hard. Who wins that award this year? Uh, this year, the award goes to Kirby Smart for his handling of his quarterback situation. <laughs> Kirby Smart. Don't overthink it. Play the better one. And and don't give me that ridiculous lie of like, oh, he was injured the whole time. Because then why did you list him as active since the Alabama game? And then why did you publicly say, no, he's fine. And like, like just play JT Daniels. I don't know yeah. why we had to see four games of the law offices of Stetson Bennett the fourth. I don't know why we suffered through a quarter and a half of uh, Dwayne Mathis. Dwayne Mathis. Uh, Oof. Yeah, like I don't know why I get it. The whole, um, oh my gosh, uh, uh, Jamie Newman stuff threw you off, but come on, dude. Like, uh, yeah, he's healthy. We all knew how good he was. Ugh. Yeah, um, don't overthink it, Kirby Smart. Kirby, come on, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we I'm trying to take uh, we're we're taking our like Florida bias out of this because oh 100. Like, I mean, as a Florida fan, keep overthinking keep... all you want, but also like. <laughs> Dude, like, come on! Look, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all knew JC Daniels was the best option here. Yeah, I'm not even. Knew. That's not even to say that like I wasn't on the whole like, oh, JC Daniels in this Georgia, he's going to be a Heisman finalist all no. of a sudden. No, I'm not here for this. He is got to have been the best option. Yeah, like, which which brings the question: How bad was he in practice? Because that could have been a thing. Like, I think he was it, like I stinking it up. Maybe in the rust, the maybe the rust was just so prevalent in practice because he had, he is injured. He had he had played in so long yeah whereas when the been. lights are on maybe he just performs better who mm. knows good call good point but he's better than Setson bennett and Dwan mathis so i mean i don't know what you're doing yeah agreed agreed um next like that up- decision has been taken out of his hands for next season <laughs> <laughs> next up we have the ally of the content award this goes to someone or something that happened that was just fantastic for the content tyler who wins the ally of the content award this year Sir Paul Bedrode, the Louisiana long snapper. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Like, snapped like three straight long three. snaps way three. over the head of his of his punter or his kicker. And just was just forced Billy Napier to go into that decision <laughs> to take a safety to put him in a worse position just because he knew he could not trust his long snapper. Yeah, because he was basically made of... all of college football America turn in to this game. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> It was not very – it was entertaining. It was like, okay, whatever, this game. And then we were like, oh, oh, interesting. Late-game situation with a long sniper that you cannot trust. Like, yeah. Um, and Billy Napier said, hold my clipboard and took a safety. 
Oh, man. And you know what? And they won the game. So, listen, I guess Billy Napier knows more than I do about college football. Yeah. Come to Florida when Dan Mullen leaves. Um, You know, it is what it is. Uh, All right. Next up, we have the coldest take of the year. Self-explanatory. Tyler, what's the coldest take of the year? The coldest take of the year is that Iowa State was a bad football team earlier mm. in the year. Mm. Mm. Why, Tyler? Why did your Cyclones have the stigma of being bad? Oh, because they lost to Louisiana in the first game of the season. <laughs> so, like, they lost to a group of five teams in the beginning of the year. One of the best group of five teams in, in the season. Mm-hmm. Based off, they lost basically because of three plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just played terribly. And then they got better. And they continue to get better. And it's a case study in how one game is not indicative of an entire team's performance. Right. And they continue to win sl- slowly. They won, they won by a couple points, a mm-hmm. couple more points. Yeah, they lost to Oklahoma State, but then they beat Oklahoma. They beat Texas. They started destroying Big 12 teams. Yeah. They played really tight in the Big 12 championship game. Could have won it. They won the freaking Fiesta Bowl. Iowa State was the number one seed in the Big 12 championship and won the Fiesta Bowl. What a year. What a year. I just, cold what take a, that they were bad. Cold take. Yeah. Now, my cold take that Brock Purdy would be a great NFL quarterback, that's pretty bad too. But um, <laughs> you know what? That's not getting judged this year because Brock Purdy's coming back. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Iowa State is bad. Pretty cold take. I just wanted to, pretty give, you cold. I wanted to give you your time. I knew you. I felt pretty vindicated. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Brocktober lasted all the way through December. Like, that's pretty yeah. good. Well, again, time wasn't real this last year, so. Time wasn't real. Um, all right, Tyler, only a few more awards left. Next up, it's the more things change, the more they stay the same. And that award goes to who, Tyler? It goes to Nick Saban, but specifically for the Nick Saban, uh, you know, principle of Nick Saban with more than one week to prepare before a big game or any game. Yeah. Doesn't matter what year it is. Doesn't matter what. You can't give Nick Saban more time. Mm-hmm. You just can't. Yeah, listen, we, we talk about it ad nauseum. Nick Saban is quite literally the greatest coach of all time, college football coach of all time, and a defensive mastermind. And to think that giving him – to think that you would have an advantage because you have more time to prepare is pretty dumb because it fails to acknowledge that Nick Sa- excuse me, Nick Saban also has – more time to prepare prepare. so it is what it is well it's like it's like that that uh year that they lost to clemson they lost trevor lawrence's clemson his freshman year Mm -hmm. um and i think they had two weeks in between but it was also like clemson clemson won that game partly because of all the drama that was going on in alabama from the assistant coach position Uh but also because clemson was playing notre dame and they straight up admitted after the after the national championship like yeah some of our notre dame practices were actually just prepping for alabama because yeah. we thought we could beat Notre Dame, so we just went ahead and prepared more for Alabama, and then but Alabama's stuck here playing Oklahoma, where they're like, "No, we got it. We can't like <laughs> we're gonna beat them, but we can't sleepwalk through it." Right. Giving Davis Sweeney more time to prepare. If you have equal time to prepare the next Saban, you're not winning that fight. No, you're not. No, you're not. Um, next up, Tyler is the bowl season springboard. This award goes to a team that had a. Really good bowl season, really good end to the gonna season. Gonna get all the hype. We're gonna talk about them a lot in the off season for next season, next year. Tyler, who do you got? It is yours truly, the Oklahoma Sooners. Can I get a boomer sooner? Thank you very much. Feel dirty, uh, but <laughs> you know the Oklahoma 
had a, a rough team at the beginning of the year. They just were shelved kind of themselves, largely due to suspensions. And so that's Rattler's retro freshman year, first year starting. Mm-hmm. Then they figured it out at the end. Too late to get into playoff consideration. Started cruising through it. Smacked Florida at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they pretty much bring everyone important back. Their receiving core is going to be great. Alex Grinch hasn't left yet. And the defense has, com- the defense has continued to get better. And they so Rattler really came on at the end of the year. Yeah. Like, 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 for as great as Oklahoma's passing attacks have been, I don't think Lincoln Riley's ever had a bad running game. They have always right. had a great offensive line and a great rushing attack. You're and right. like this this year, early on in the season, it was the it was the passing attack that was kind of lagging behind because Spencer mm-hmm. Rattler was was having to drag it and play hero ball. Right. That's over now. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's gonna get all the hype, specifically for me, because I think they're probably gonna I think that in my mind, they're my team that is the favorite to win the national championship. Listen, the hype is going to start in our next episode when we talk about signing day because, and we'll talk about it later on or talk about it in the next episode. But listen, their signing day class, you look at their transfers, you look at who they're bringing in with the wide receivers, the team's going to be looking nice next year. That's all I want to say. I do want to give them a shout out because I think with the conversation we just had about Iowa State, the conversation we just had about Oklahoma, the two best teams, like the t- two teams playing their best football at the end of the season were both in the Big 12. And I think that speaks and that's something to say, right? Because you say, yeah, okay, well, Clemson, whatever. Well, Clemson had a pretty bad game against um, Ohio State because of the way it was going. Ohio State, well, they didn't really play well against Northwestern in, in their conference championship game. They turned it around against Clemson and then they got smacked in against Alabama. Well, what about Alabama? Well, Alabama was missing Jalen Waddell. And if you think that playing without Jaden Waddell means that they're playing better than when they have Jalen Waddell, we got to have other conversations about your priorities. Yeah. So I think that Oklahoma and Iowa State had the best ends to the season. We're, yeah. And I think the hottest teams at the end of the season. And I think it's indicative of one of the better games this season, which was Oklahoma, Iowa state in the big 12 title game. I think fair to say there. So shout out to Oklahoma, shout out to Iowa state. We'll talk about Oklahoma a bit more in the next episode. They are the winner of the bowl season springboard award of the year. Tyler, only three awards left. The next one is robbed, robbed. I tell you, and that award goes to a player or team or coach that was robbed and we want to give them justice. And who is it this year, Tyler? Buffalo running back Jared Patterson being pulled when he was an attainable amount of yards away for breaking the single-game rushing record that had previously been set by Samaj P. Ryan. He had, like, what was it? Like, over 400 rushing yards or something? They it was, were like, like they it, were was, 20, it was, I believe like, it, 460-something? They were... He was about 17 away from the from the record. Uh-huh. They were at their, the 20-yard line. So, theoretically... Uh-huh. He could have gotten that. He could. He, it was attainable for him to get those rushing yards. Yeah. And then Buffalo head coach Lance Lay pulled, pulled him, unaware that the the record was um available to be to be broken. Okay, but but that's which, what grad assistants are for. Which is a systemic issue that you yes. are not aware of. That systemic that's, issue. You know what? Like, you know what that tells me, Tyler. I don't want my kid going to Buffalo. If they're willing to yeah. overlook that kind of stuff, if if there isn't a system in place to be aware of that information, I don't want my kid going there. Well, yeah, here's 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 my third eye activated. Hoodies, hoodies up. up. Hoodies up. Danny White was the AD at Buffalo way back when. He yes. hired Lance Leipold. He did. Great hire. Has been great for the program. He also hired. He, would, he would have tried to hire him at Tennessee uh-huh. um, to take over, and I thought that would have been a great thing to build up a program, balance of both offense and defense. Would have been great. Probably saw this. 
can't be doing that. <laughs> Took him off the board. Took him off the board <laughs> immediately. They, no. they, uh, in the, in you his, can't be screwing over your players like this. In his AD interview, the Tennessee brass was like, "So what about you know bringing Leipold over from Buffalo?" And he goes, "No, not after this season." I was like, "Why?" He goes, "You wouldn't understand." <laughs> that's all. That's all Danny White said. He said, "You wouldn't no, understand." No. We are a players' first program. <laughs> <laughs> if we're willing to drop bags of McDonald's cash, we better be willing to break single season rushing game records. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he thought. All right, Tyler, two awards left. This next one's going to have a bit of discourse. It is our inaugural honorary non-Power 5 playoff. Now, the way that the system is set up, it is completely geared against Power 5 teams and independents not named Notre Dame. So, for that, it's true. So, for that reason. You're not wrong at all. No, I'm not. So, for that reason. We had decided to come up with our own honorary non-Power 5 playoff where we pick the four best teams not in the Power 5, and we have a little makeshift playoff here in our own imagination on the pod. So, Tyler, the top four seeds for this playoff are number one, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Yep. Number two, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Number three, the BYU Cougars. And rounding out the top four, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this would force a Cincinnati-Louisiana matchup and a rematch of the Mormons versus Bullets, Coastal against BYU. Tyler, who wins in those semis and who makes it to the national championship game? Okay. I think Cincinnati's going to beat Louisiana. I agree. I'm, pr- I'm pretty I'm pretty confident about that. I could see the upset. I really could. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisiana's a great team, who actually, I just learned recently, is one of the highest teams for returning production next year. So Ooh. watch out. Maybe that's why um, Billy Napier hasn't taken that, the job. Yeah, because like, I know he's losing his quarterback, but apparently like everywhere else, they're bringing most everyone back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, okay. But Cincinnati, playing real well at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, built better. Good offense, great defense. Uh, mm-hmm. They would still have Marcus Freeman at this time, so I'm going to take Cincinnati. Coastal BYU. I'm going to take the Mormons because I think yes! I think that the way that Coastal won that game, while completely valid and great and awesome, I don't think that game plan works twice. Mm-hmm. And most teams... I don't want to... When I say that, I don't mean that it was a gimmick or to take anything away from Coastal because most teams that beat other teams don't won't beat them twice with the same game plan, you know? If that makes sense, Coastal no, game makes plan when they, sense. Coastal game plan when they when they played BYU was to run the ball, eat up the clock, keep everything in front of them, play aggressive defense, blow BYU's running game off the ball, and they were able to do that. Are they able to do that ten times out of ten when they play them? I don't think that that game plan works the same way every time. Just like Florida when they beat Georgia, scoring like twenty eight points in the second quarter through the air is not going to work every single time. So this is my my point being, you play this would be a rematch. You play that game again. I think Zach Wilson's going to carve him up a little bit more. I agree. I completely Zach Wilson agree. was two yards away from that from a win. Yep. I think he can get it this time. Me too. So that sets up Cincinnati BYU. Oh. And this is the national championship I want. This is the national championship we want. I can tell you who I would pick in this situation. I'm taking the Mormons. Really. And it's because. I believe Zach Wilson to be a big-time player. I really do. I think he's going to have success at the NFL level. 
maybe not immediate, but I think he's going to eventually carve out a, a nice career, whether it be a rotate, you know, starter on multiple teams, whether it be a career backup that makes a good impact, whatever. But I think he's going to have a future. And I think when you are coming up with games like this, you have to, it's, it's a, it, allegedly, it's a gambling mentality, right? Who do I want to bet against, right? Or who, who do I feel more comfortable betting against? Do I feel more comfortable betting against Desmond Ritter? Or do I feel more comfortable mm. betting against Zach Wilson? I feel much more comfortable betting against Ritter, number one. Number two, you look at the Cincinnati defense and you say, it's fantastic, 100%. But then you look at the way that Zach Wilson, his ball placement down the field, his accuracy, his ability to extend plays, I think it would be the most, I don't want to say it's the best offense they will have seen in terms of whatever, but I think it'll be the most dynamic player they will have faced all season to this point. Probably agree with that. And because of that, I think I I would just rather, in a national title game, I'm going to roll with the better quarterback. I think this... Look, football is football is dumb. Football is easy. Football is simple. I'm gonna, I'm taking the better quarterback. Okay, I hear that. That's my I'm simplicity. Gonna make it, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it complicated. Just, <laughs> uh, football is an easy game that we make hear, complicated for. Hear ourselves. me out, okay? As I reach back and look at my uh, board with all the strings <laughs> on it, my Charlie Day board. BYU will have gone through their own Super Bowl in the rematch of Coastal Carolina. They will oh. have been fired up. They have a tougher road. I think Cincinnati, like just like with the Alabama Oklahoma thing I talked about, you can't sleepwalk through your game with Louisiana. Correct. But I think Cincinnati's road is easier. And Cincinnati would be fresher. They will have had more time to prepare for BYU's offense, which is yeah. And I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take Cincinnati. I respect your opinion. More than anything, this just means that I really wanted to see this game this year. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't I get really it. Like, <laughs> which which goes back to our um, told you so. Keep the open award. date. Keep, keep the open date. Keep the open date. We would love to see this. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Tyler, our final award. Who screwed up in the Pac-12 this year? My favorite award. That's um, it. That's who the screwed award. up in the Pac-12 this year? The USC for winning too many games to fire Clay Hilton. Is this like every the f- year you put it off? Is this You're the just third? Throwing your future in the toilet. Is this the third or the fourth year in a row they've won this award? Third. Oh, with the exception of last season where we talked about off air. How the winner would is, was um, who who screwed up in the Pac-12 was the former Oregon offensive yeah. coordinator. Yeah, for 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 forcing us to for just for making watch Justin Herbert throw swing passes. Yeah, for make def- us think for, that he was bad. Yeah, for for making me literally call him and I quote Ryan Tannehill 2.0. I, I can't believe I, I can't believe I had to eat those words. I can't believe well, it. Then we also got to realize in the last two years, Ryan Tannehill, what, what is Ryan Tannehill has become what different? Like, <laughs> like, um, he, well, he's not Justin Herbert. I'll tell you that. No. Yeah. I, again, and it just reminded me when I'm looking at this, like you got to scout traits. You got to scout traits. You got to scout traits yeah. because college production, while often a great baseline is not ju- is not the only thing. Correct. correct I'm going to get correct. mad about Marcus Arroyo again. Um, but no, <laughs> USC for winning too many games to fire Clay Hilton. I agree. You I would, agree. I, 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 well, fair enough. Clay Hilton. He has a good recruiting class this season, which was ter- it was terrible last year. It was in the sixties last year, but it's in yeah. the top ten this year. Great, great about my, bounce back. That's not good enough. You're USC. You You're are right. effing USC. Handle your business. You. I mean, yeah. You. You. 
you played in the Pac-12 championship, but they they weren't that good this year. No. And they will continue to beat a beatable division because they can, because they have the talent, and fall on their face in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. So, Pac-12, stop screwing up. Get it together. Yeah, fire, fire Clay Helton. I'm sure he's a nice guy just for the betterment <laughs> of the conference. <laughs> Tyler, those are our awards for the 2020 season this year. Um, that's it. That's the bookend on the season, Tyler. Award for everyone for making it this far. Yeah. <laughs> like, Award for us for continuing yeah. with our content in a weird coronavirus season. Uh, yeah. Tyler, I think it's only right that we end the episode with tweets that we have shared. Um, what is your favorite tweet that I have sent you this week? Favorite tweet you sent me is from NFL on CBS. It was a couple days ago. 2016, Rams trade two first-round picks to get Jared Goff. 2021, Rams trade two first-round picks to get rid of Jared Goff. Yeah. This is in relation to the Matt Stafford deal to get sent to the Rams in exchange for Jared Goff and two first-round picks and a third pick so the Rams can get Matt Stafford. Okay. Can I pause you quick, real quick? The, yeah, go ahead. Okay, mine is also about golf, so I'm going to say mine right now. Go it's ahead. the Benjamin Solak. I've been laughing at this <laughs> the one picture. Directly the one below directly it. below. I've been laughing at this picture for a full minute, and it's literally Jared Goff throwing a warm-up pass and Sean McVay giving him just, just the disappointed dad look. Just the, like, I had so much faith in you, and you disappointed me. That's it. That's that's the tweet. But go ahead and continue. Yeah. We can talk about this trade real quick. Um, Real quick, just as we... Who do you do you think this is a good trade? I think this is a good trade for both sides. I disagree. Okay. I think this is a good trade for Detroit because per, great trade for Detroit. They they publicly like had a joint statement with Matt Stafford saying we're gonna. They have like a public. Di- they had a public divorce, yeah. and so everyone knew what was going on. And so while Stafford's looking for teams and stuff or whatever, there shouldn't be much leverage. Yeah. And then they end up flipping him for two first rounders, two first round picks, a third a rounder third. this year, and then they end. He's up not going to hate your guts forever because because you sent him to the Rams and you got a quarterback that you can at least start. You can, you have a, a startable quarterback in the league, which is rare. Because if they had sent him, it's like if, they, if if a lot of their trading partners that were proposed, right? You're probably getting back if you're getting back a quarterback at all. You're not getting one that you're going to want to start, right? So you got Jared Goff, like. You don't have to go quarterback this class. You could probably ride that out for a year, because you're gonna because you're gonna be bad no matter what. Right now, this it's this just, it's it's do you want to be tragically bad or do you want to be hilariously bad? Right. If you're with Matt Stafford, you're tragically bad because we're all watching and we're like, damn it. Because um, Stafford is good. Matt, <laughs> Stafford's good. Um, I think that this Matt Stafford won this trade. Yes, I agree. He is now on a good team. Yes, he's on a good team. I think he's ex- yeah. It is an extremely risky trade for the Rams. Well, because you are you are selling out for this winning window. So, so here's my thing: the Rams are just boycotting first round draft picks. The next, Sean McVay has not made one. He has not made a first round pick. They their last one was in 2016. Their last a, one was Jared Goff to acquire Jared Goff, and then they've in subsequent trades just given things away. You, as a Jags fan, have been the recipient of two of those picks. Um, but just like. I don't like this strategy. I don't I don't like that they're just not like listen, this may be a good thing now in terms of you're gonna yeah, you're gonna win now or whatever and you're gonna be this, able to compete. But one thing makes this a good strategy in my opinion. What? If you win the Super Bowl. I don't think it's gonna happen though. 
I don't even. I don't even think the Rams are the. I don't even think the Rams are the best team in their division. I think it's. I think it's Seattle. And then and then I think tied for second. I think you have the 49ers. And if the 49ers are healthy, I think the 49ers 49ers are healthy. Right, they're there, and the way they're just in a good division. And the way that Kyler Murray's playing, like, you know, it's it's not unachievable. Yeah, but okay. My 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 point is that like I think that NFL. I, I was said today on another podcast that I listened to, and I, I'm stealing it because it was a, a great saying, but mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been thinking this too. The NFL is kind of switching their mindset from, especially now that the Patriots are kind of not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need to build dynasties. Build winning windows. Okay. Now, we're, it's the thing, like, that's what Philadelphia did, and they won a Super Bowl. And it's some people debate whether or not the one Super Bowl was worth it. Including as Philadelphia a, As fans. a person... Yeah, including Philadelphians that we know. As a person, this is this is coming from me. As a person whose team has not has never gotten farther than the AFC Championship, and only three times. And honestly, that's like I haven't been to an AFC. Like, listen, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. I sentiment. would sell out for a Super Bowl because yep. you have that ring, you have that trophy, you always have that season, and always. You know what? Four years later, you're gonna be bad. Which I mean, isn't that? I say this now as a team that is already bad, but. Anyway, if the Rams get out of this window with the Super Bowl trophy or one or two, it's worth it. It's totally worth it mm-hmm. because you won those games. Here's the thing. If they don't, then it's not worth it. This is what the New Orleans Saints are going through right now. It's, it's the two sides of the corner with the Philadelphia Eagles and the, and the New Orleans Saints. Philadelphia Eagles got a Super Bowl out of theirs, in my opinion, way worth it. New Orleans Saints, they sold out for a window. Not in quite a one particular move that yeah. was so groundbreaking, but they sold out for a window. It's gone now, and they didn't win a Super Bowl, and that sucks. That's football, and yeah, I mean, Sean McVay, I think he's a great coach, and he has great teams, and he wins games with. He goes to the playoffs with Jared Goff, so I think he can do better with Matt Stafford. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated. I just, I'm just fascinated for Matt Stafford to be on an offensive coached good team. Yeah. Listen, I think I think the winners of this trade are number one. I think it's Detroit. Number two, Stafford. Number three is the Rams. I I just I. Uh, I hear what you're saying with the when Rams. When does this work? I do, when, I do agree. When has the idea of I'm going to give away my opportunity to draft the best players from college year in and year out for the next seven years? When has that worked? When has that been something that's been smart? You know? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, like, the draft is your ability to You build land, through the draft. You build through the draft. You land players for inexpensive contracts that you're able it's, to depend on for four, three, four years. Like, I don't. It's worked for the Rams only because they've had a really good hit rate with their lower level prospects. But and this, is that going to work only, all the time? Well, that's the thing. It's like how Dan Mullen builds to the transfer portal. He's building it at an unsustainably good rate, mm-hmm. relying on transfers coming in to bolster the roster. Right. They've consistently been great. You haven't had a miss yet. Mm-hmm. Slightly unsustainable. Right. Um. So it, you have to wonder. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's a matter of, I think Sean McVay is a good coach. And this was the year that we all thought the Rams would be terrible and they went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will see. The, the crazy, the interesting thing about this is that for Detroit and for Stafford, we know that this is good. Mm-hmm. Like we know. But for the Rams, we're just not going to know. Because if if it works, it works. But the his history is stacked against them. Yeah. Yeah. So. Listen, last. History is full of exceptions, but history is stacked against them. Last question. Yeah. What does this do to Deshaun's value? 
If Matt, I would if say Matt Stafford went for two first, a third, and Goff, what does this do for you? Got to you got to throw a star player in there. I think. Well, the problem is that I, I heard. I don't know if this is true. I heard you can you NFL will not allow you to trade more than two first round picks. I think the rule is you can't trade two first round picks uh, more than two years in a row of first rounders. So, okay. if, so if I'm the Dolphins, right, and I want to trade, I'll trade my, let's say, even though I'm anti-giving up pick three, um, let's say we trade pick three, pick um, 18, and then our first rounder next year, right? So That's, you trade threes. Traded but threes, but they're only two years back and back, right? Makes sense. Work. In that case, I mean, it, it doesn't really change the first round draft pick, I think, that you're going to get. It changes... I mean, the the Rams give up a third. You're probably gonna have to give up like two seconds and a third to get Deshaun Watson, and you'd have to give up a, a player. So let me. We have never seen a player, I think, of Deshaun Watson's youth, his special quality in this position. Yeah. Because one, players haven't really been in this position before. He has all the power right now, and right. and the public is behind him. Mm-hmm. Like, so, and he's the no trade clause is a big thing too because Deshaun. He get the no trade clause kills all of the scenarios that we're playing out in our head because it mm-hmm. all is based on the like, would Deshaun want to do that? Right. So would he waive his no trade? Would he do it? So yeah. let me put you in the position. You are the Texas GM, Texans GM. Put yourself in their shoes. I know that you, Tyler, would trade him if you were in that situation because he clearly doesn't want to be there. He might be willing to hold out. You got to get value for him, whatever. But put yourself in those shoes. Let me let me offer you. I am the Dolphins. I am Chris Greer. I'm gonna call you. Mm-hmm. Hey Tyler, okay. what's up? Uh, who is this? This is Chris Greer. This is general manager of the Dolphins. You know who I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> we want Deshaun. Here's our package. You ready? All right. Pick 18. Our first rounder next year. Your second round pick back. So pick 30. 33, 34, pick 35, Tua Tagovailoa, and then a first rounder, not the following year, but the year after because of the restrictions. So you're going to get pick 18, Tua, pick 18, pick 35, and the first rounder, the, uh, our first rounder next year and the first rounder the next year, it's, you're eligible to trade. So it's three first. Your second, your second back, and Tua, who was the fifth pick in last year's draft, who's still on a rookie contract, who you, as a general manager, were in love with last year. Let me let me get back to you real quick. Okay, I'm gonna put you on hold. Put me on hold. I'm gonna call Carolina real quick. Okay, see call. if they have anything better. Call Carolina. Okay, more so to just give you time to sit on it and see if you want to up it for another pick. Come back and say yes. <laughs> Got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay. So I can just like, shut up and wait. <laughs> we we don't have to role play the rest of it. Right. As much as we're great actors here. Okay. Good, good, But good. Um, I do think that it's interesting. It's all about do you do who do you value more? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's all about if you're the Texans. You want picks. I think your two best options to do so are Carolina and Miami. Miami more so if you want picks. Here's the thing. What do you about value the Jets? more Teddy? Mm, that's a good point but it okay jets are also a part of this uh-huh so let me let me let me offer uh, oh, you uh okay can uh, i offer you a jets a jets package well can i can i can i can i just say what i was gonna say real of course quick? of course so sorry it's basically throwing the jets into this as well 
Texans, if you want to, I think Teddy Bridgewater is currently the best of these three quarterbacks, Darnold, Tua, and Teddy Bridgewater, that could be offered on this trading block. Mm-hmm. But Teddy Bridgewater has the lowest upside, I would imagine, just because of age. Um, so it's basically, Texans, are you more in love with getting Tua, thinking you can do something with him, getting Darnold, thinking maybe you can do something with him, or getting Bridgewater, who's like probably the best option right now, but right. then you're just you just knowing you're going to be getting a quarterback later. Right. Um, I that. that's I think that should be the way that they think about this, because you're losing your star quarterback. Yeah. You're losing your star quarterback. you got to replace him with somebody. And... If they can get a high pick, like if they if they're the, they should want to trade with the Jets because then they can get two, mm-hmm. and at two they can get a star quarterback, and it doesn't really matter what this happens with Darnold. Right. Miami might be able to persuade them without even giving up three. So in that case, you need Tua. It's really how much do they still love Tua after one year? Mm-hmm. Bridgewater, you you're you're trading to get a quarterback, probably another year. Okay. That's I don't know. I don't know. And again, all of this comes into consideration. Where does Deshaun Watson want to go? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. That that's a big thing. That's a big a big uh, a big deal because where does he want to go? You're right. I yeah. like the I like the uh, Bridgewater idea. If they if they want to win now and just kind of push it push the rebuild to a bit later on, even though I don't think they will win because. You went four and twelve with Deshaun. I don't Watson. think it's the smarter idea. I think yeah. I think the, the the idea with the highest upside is Tua Tagovailoa, right? Because I think of the of the young guys, he's got the highest upside, and if he doesn't work out, then you you're going to move on from him anyway. So if, then, if these quarterbacks don't move out, you move on from him anyway. But I think Tua, in my opinion, has the best combination of youth and upside. So then, what if you're all right? So what if I'm the Jets GM? What if I offer you? Two first rounders this year. So we have the Seahawks first rounder as the Jets GM, right? We have the Seahawks first rounder as yeah. the number two. You get number two, you get the Seahawks pick. You get the Seahawks first rounder next year. Mm-hmm. And then our second rounder the year after uh, that same year. So you're essentially getting three first and a second. Pick two, two first rounders in this year's draft. A first rounder Done. next year's and and the Seahawks and the second Done. rounder next year. But even Done. Okay, but would you do that over to uh uh Yes, because you gave me number two. That so, I can draft whatever quarterback isn't Trevor Lawrence that I want. So then what if I I can I control the quarterback capital draft. Okay, so then if, if you if you call the Dolphins back, and what if you said to the Dolphins will take pick three instead of the like future one. So you're essentially getting two Dolphins picks this year, pick three. If pick I can 18. get number two or number three, I'm going to do whatever I can to get that. Okay. All right. I get you. I get like, that. Again, this is what I would do. I am not. What I would do is I would have never pissed off Deshaun Watson in the first place. Yeah. So I clearly don't think the same as the Texans champ. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I clearly don't say the same as Jack Easterby and Nick Serio. So I don't know, but right. we'll see. I'm fascinated to see how it goes because more than anything, the Matt Stafford deal, while I think will I think will make football better, I, I think what's happening now is a lot of quarterbacks are seeing, okay, I could actually just force myself out and go play for a good team that needs better quarterback. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The people are going to be behind me. You know why? Because they're going to want to watch better football. Okay. I think... I like I think the Matt I think that that's gonna be a thing that starts happening. Deshaun Watson wanted out because he didn't like his organization. Mm-hmm. Matt Stafford wanted out because he didn't want to go through another rebuild. He wanted to be on a better team. 
now. Now the Rams, I think, are better this year. Okay. Will they be better in the future? Is I who knows? Who like we're never gonna know. The, we're we're gonna know the answer to that later on. But they'll be better next year mm-hmm. because of Matt Stafford. And who whoever team gets Deshaun Watson will be better next year because they have Deshaun Watson. So I, I I'm liking this new era of quarterbacks forcing themselves in the right situations because as cool as it is, it's it always kind of sucks to me in the NFL how it's like. There's always these good quarterbacks on bad teams, right? But they can't really do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, you want to build the team around it, but it would be so easy to just like, what if we just picked them up and put them over here, and then we'd have better teams all around? Like, yeah. Now, is that going to get rid of some of the parity? Probably. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll have but to I'm, see. I'm fascinated to see how the offseason plays out. Yeah, Matt Stafford and, um. Jared Goff kicked it off. We'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. Tyler, that's it for the episode. Went a little long, but it is what it is. Uh, we will be back later on this week for a short episode recapping National Signing Day. That is one Wednesday, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about the Gators. Recruiting class, solidified top recruiting classes nationally. All that stuff. Nice little short episode. It'll be nice to see. And then, Tyler think we then have to talk about the Super Bowl and some draft coverage. I think that's when we go yeah. ahead and we jump into it. So, uh, Tyler, anything else you want to say before we sign off? No, just continue to stay safe and stay warm, all you yeah. people up in the cold areas. It was, co- it was cold here today in Panama City. Yeah, what was it, Tyler? It was 46 degrees. He's he's looking real angry at me right now. Uh, no, it's, it's always just, looking off the screen. I have a window. I have two nice large windows here <laughs> in my studio, and I literally can't see out of it because the snow is piled up so much. So, ha ha ha! Yeah, there uh, you go. No, wait, sorry, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's just funny. Hey, you know, at least when it's cold there, it's like pretty. It is because of the snow aesthetic. It it's just gray and windy in yeah. here. So like, well, it's, it's supposed not really to pretty. It's supposed like, to rain here later in the week, and when it rains and it's cold, that sucks. When it's yeah, snows, no, it. great, wonderful. It was just a blizzard, and it's still going now. It's not going to yeah. stop till noon tomorrow. We're recording this Monday night. So, all right, my guy. Uh, this has been stay bundled. Stay bundled. This has been another episode of Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio. My name is Tyler. And we are not biased, Tyler. Go Gators. Go Gators.